Hello, and welcome to our continuing series of Better Business Interviews. Better businesses are those that are driven by purpose to use business as a force for good, for positive change, for people and planet. Throughout this series, we are chatting with key people in these organisations and finding out why they do what they do. This week, I have been joined by Sandy Vaux. Sandy Vaux is a company to start off with, which delivers the Prosperous School of Self-Realisation, which is a 90-day integrative experience for modern day business leaders with the ultimate aim of helping people find this important form of prosperity. Sandy Vo, the person to whom we are speaking, has quite a story to tell, um, but is a student of yoga science and has been has formed her own insights to support others in bridging the gap between achievement and fulfillment. Sandy's a fellow podcast host with a very calming show called Prosperity the Podcast. And so I'm very much looking forward to uh, a, a calm, calming podcast interview. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. And I, I always like to kick off with the, the, the ever relaxing elephant in the room question, <laughs> which today isn't maybe so relaxing. Uh, but prosperity is all over your website and all about your bios what 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 do you see uh, prosperity is in a simple answer i would say that prosperity is when you find that place within yourself where you feel at peace with who you are and you're able to exude that energy out into the world that that sense of joy that you have inside out into the world like that to me is life's ultimate prosperity is is knowing the truth of who you are and being able to exude that okay because obviously so many people think of prosperity only ever think of money wealth things is is yours completely that your that's completely out of your mind <clears throat> when you're talking prosperity i wouldn't say it's completely out of my mind because when you are prosperous when you're a prosperous human being it's that inner fragrance of joy that you have right but it's also the wealth of um what you're feeling too the wealth of your health and when you have health when you have energy when you have all of that you're better able to make money as well and so the money and the financial is a byproduct of of that joy so whereas most people think about prosperity money is a center money to me is just the um the cushion the en enhancer of actual prosperity of joy Ah, okay. So the, the, the material wealth is is one of yeah, kind of that's the added extra of of getting your mind in uh, and your your fulfillment. Uh, I mentioned in in the write up the difference between achievement and fulfillment, and many, many people would see achievements as fulfilling. Are they separate, or is it is there kind of an un, uncomfortable mix between those two states of being fulfilled and being an achiever? Well, it's a really good question to be able to distinguish the difference. I think that they are separate to some degree. Yeah. When I think of achievement, I think of the way that, you know, we, we grew up and learned in our school systems where you um, go into school, you learn something, you get an A or you get an F. And if you get an A, um, you know, you're, you're achieving something. And then we take that same type of mentality and we bring it into the workforce. 
and then we bring into our businesses, you know, we achieve things, but uh, achievement um, is a very productive sense, but it's not always fulfilling. It's not just because we achieve things doesn't mean that we find this sense of joy and inner peace that, that happens inside of us. I find that when you're fulfilled, it's when you're doing things and you're, um, you're acting and you're thinking from a place of of joy and from a place of love um, when you've taken the time to actually explore what your inner world looks like. So for example, I've worked with a lot of people who are executive CEOs, you know, um, very successful, thriving companies. And from the outside looking in, you look at this person, they look like they've got it all figured out, you know, um, and, and they're the types of people that, you know, people really you know, think to pick up the phone to call them or see how they're doing because if they're like, oh, like he's got it. Like he's, he's, he's got it all figured out. But the reality is the outer achievement of um, having a lot of money, having a really successful business, being featured here, being featured there um, and having a thriving business doesn't necessarily mean that that person is fulfilled. Uh, when we look at it in a deeper level, the the reason to that higher level of achievement is because they're also running away from something that um, they haven't looked at as well. And so they, they use their business to stay really busy. So what I mean is when I, when I think about achievement fulfillment, achievement is, is what you do for your outer sense of being, for your identity, for your role, your personality in the world. But fulfillment is this inside job. It's this inside feeling and experience that you exude outwards. Okay, so I mean, you, you can be an achiever without being fulfilled. Can you be a fulfilled without being achieving? I think you can be fulfilled. And when you achieve from a place of fulfillment, everything you do, it's like you're overflowing, right? You're not, you're not pouring from an empty cup. Whereas when you're achieving, sometimes you're achieving from a place of I'm tired, I'm burnt out, but I'm going to yeah. do this anyway, because I need to hit this goal. Yeah. But when you are fulfilled, and you're achieving from a place of fulfillment, you take care of yourself, you prioritize your mental well being, you prioritize your sleep, your health, your nutrition. And then now when you go and you achieve things in the world, which you have every right to do, you feel you're doing it from a place of joy and high energy and health and it feels like you're having a completely different experience so that's a great question yeah i i, I love that definition I, I enjoyed listening to that back again and, and trying to dig into the to the depths of it because I, I this is quite a complex subject isn't it you're talking about the inner workings of a of an organ that we don't necessarily um we, we don't fully understand in the brain. Um, mm. how, how do you approach this with your clients and we, or students or whatever you'd like to call them? Yeah, yeah. So the notion between achievement and fulfillment or understanding yeah, or, the brain. How, how do you address the, how do you address the, the, this, this really difficult organ that, that we, you know, we know exists obviously because we all use it we use in one it, way or another, right. but yeah but you know how, how it's an interest just mental health how do you address somebody's mental health how do you how do you start to to helping people on that pathway to fulfillment and to self-realization yeah so to answer it simply in the way that i i teach it is the three levels of consciousness so i talk about three levels of consciousness we have the unconscious mind uh -huh. we have the conscious mind and we also have the super conscious mind 
So yeah. the unconscious mind makes up 98% of our patterns, actions, behaviors, thoughts. And so think about the unconscious mind as the portion of the mind. It's the reptilian portion of the mind where your learned behaviors are stored there. Things that when you were a baby, think about when you were a baby, you had this uh, camera recorder and you're just absorbing everything. You're recording everything that you're picking up in your outer world. And now you're, you're, you're starting to adopt it to be true for yourself. So if your parents, you know, acted a certain way or behaved a certain way, you start to adopt it too unconsciously. And that's just part of, um, you know, I call it external programming. Your personality is part of your unconscious mind. Um, traumas that we've experienced in the past, um, that's all part of our unconscious conditioning. And that makes up 98% of the way that we live our lives. And so the conscious mind, the way that you and I are able to engage with each other, have this conversation right now, the way that you're asking questions, um, the rational thinking, the present awareness, that's our conscious mind. And that makes up about two to 5%. So when you look at it, the unconscious mind makes up so much of the way that we live our lives. And what we don't realize is we are living on autopilot from a portion of our brain that we're not even, we're not even aware of. And so one of, um, one of the doctors, Dr. Bruce Lipton, he says that the unconscious mind is a million times more powerful than the conscious mind. And when you really sit in this for a moment, it, you know, it's, it's going to be almost a, a blow to your brain because you're like, wait a minute. I'm a creature of habit, and I've been doing the same thing that I did yesterday and the day before and the day before without even realizing it and it's controlling the way that I live my life. And so my question that I like to approach you know, a lot of people is if fears, limiting beliefs, doubts, and these learned behaviors are um, stored in the back of our mind, uh, and they're controlling the way that we live our lives, it's also true that joy, love, peace, can control our minds and affect the way that we live our lives if we take the time to bring the unconscious to the conscious, meaning if we take the time to become more aware of our thoughts, our habits, our patterns, and our behaviors, then we can actually make a change and we're rewiring, reprogramming our minds in that way. And, and we understand more now when I go after something, if I have a big goal for my business and I have this higher level of achievement, that, that uh, decision that I make is come, it's going to come from a place of fulfillment because I've taken the time to understand um, where that drive actually comes from. And it's not coming from a place of needing to prove my worth, needing to uh, prove my value to other people, needing to um, uh, abide by the things that my parents wanted for me, but it's actually coming from a place of fulfillment and joy for myself. And so the ultimate question that I like to ask people that really just hits home is, are you living the life that you desire for you? Or are you living the life that other people desire to live for you? And only you can answer that. Wow. Um, I mean, so many questions out the back of there, but the, the one that plays in my head, uh, and mainly because you, your site is very open about your background, you're very, you're in your bio, you, you, write very openly that you you had a difficult teenage life how i mean drawing on that experience uh, to whatever level you want to but the how do you how do you unlearn that kind of 
trauma-based. You know, we, we hear so much people are affected by trauma and uh, people have been in a war zone or seen, you know, some dreadful things and they're, they're kind of broken by it. How do you address that unconscious response? Or, you know, if you, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so just to refer to what you're talking about, uh, one of the one of the reasons why I started to uh, explore this path a little bit more is because when I was in my beginning of college years and I was going through some very deep depression times, I thought that the only answer to the pain that I was experiencing in my life from a physical, mental, emotional state um, was to take my own life. And um, unfortunately, this is this is big in our world, you know, and we just don't talk about it enough. But sometimes the the degree of heaviness and pain and, you know, a lot of people might be feeling this right now with everything that we have going on. It can just hurt so much. And it's the only thing that you see every day that you think that the only way that you can escape from it is actually to to completely leave it. Um, and then it was through, you know, it was through my attempts that I realized that that wasn't true. And I found I found something greater and higher and um, and and I became uh, I just became an instrument of, of that. And, and which is what led me to teach the work that I do now. But to answer your question, Russell, when you talk about how do you address something like this in the unconscious, like all these traumas that come up? Um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a straightforward answer because the, the first answer that I can give is that um, you know, when, you're, when you're ready, it will appear. You know, our ego, our ego is a, is a certain function in our mind. It's not, oh, like you're so cocky, you're egotistical. It's not like that, right? Yeah. The ego is a function of our mind that is the eye maker. The ego is what identifies and it's our personality. It's our, um, it's the way that we have adopted who we want to be, who we are by things that we've learned in the world's labels that we've learned. And we identify with that. And so my ego, uh, is what allows me to have this conversation with you right now is what allows me to have a personality and all of that. And same with you. And so our egos are necessary, but what our ego's main function is, is to protect us. And oftentimes when uh, it comes to the unconscious mind, some of the traumas that we've experienced is so painful. And this is what happened with myself, where you actually forget about it. Your ego is so good at suppressing that trauma that you actually don't even remember it until you're ready to. And so when I um, started to unravel and, and I was ready to go through this healing after going to extremes and thinking that taking my own life would solve the answer, I realized that yeah, that's when I had uh, memories begin to come back to me of, you know, certain uh, uh, traumatic events that occurred when I was younger that I just didn't even recall. And so my, my answer to that is that uh, it, life is not a straightforward process and healing is also not a straightforward process. And one of the main things that we can do is begin to take more responsibility. And what I mean by responsibility isn't in the traditional sense of what we read in the dictionary. Uh -huh. What I mean by responsibility is found in the word itself, having the ability to respond to what is coming up for you in this moment right now.
So I say self-care is being self-aware. So if in this moment you're noticing, you know, I'm feeling very tense in my shoulders. I've been feeling disconnected from my husband. I haven't been having um, good sleep. I've been staying up all night. If there's things that you're noticing, it is your responsibility to now say, okay, if I'm aware of what is coming from my unconscious mind, if I'm aware of how I'm feeling in my body, what am I going to do about it? Right. And that's where you start to explore more and you adopt this mindset of curiosity and asking questions. Because what I say is, if you can ask the question, then the answer is also within you. Why else would you be able to ask that question, right? And it was through me asking a very simple question of who am I when I was feeling so lost and I felt like all these labels in the world couldn't identify me. I couldn't fit inside of this box. I said, who am I? And then it led me to, to be a meditation teacher when I was trying to be a public relations specialist wearing high heels and a hot pink suit walking down New York City. <laughs> <laughs> that paints a glorious picture. Um, uh, a, a distinct uh, change from uh, your relaxed uh, demeanor you have now. Now, uh, brilliant the responsibility to be responsible. So you, what? Well, firstly, people must you first must have to teach people that they have this ability to respond yeah. um so that you know that because presumably with your your outcome or your your only route your only response was to end your life in your mind mm. what what transitioned you what what was there something that that went hold on i need to ask a question here to see if i've got the ability to deal with this who am i question what, what, what transitioned you to, to saying, you know, I'm not going to try that particular <laughs> route of uh, terminal um, exit from the world and I'm going to try something else? What, what happened? Or is it yeah. a bit of a mystery? <laughs> well, yeah, it is. It is a bit of a mystery. Um, well, I, you know, I, I, thought I, I thought I did terminally exit from the world. That was a thing. And then I, um, I opened my eyes and I was... I heard people laughing. I was still here. And I said, oh, and in that moment, I heard I heard a, a higher voice. I heard a different voice. And it, it wasn't to take your own life that that type of death. It was an ego death. So what an ego death is, is really looking at this um, makeup, this identity of who you think you are and um, realize that you are so much more than that. So in that moment when I didn't you know, uh, I, I, it didn't happen for me. I, that's when I started to understand that there was something greater here, you know, and, and you can call it God, you can call it the universe, you can call it um, Buddha, you can call it Allah, whatever religion you believe in. Um, yeah. It's beyond religion. It's, it's, it's that force that, you know, allows you to breathe when you're not even thinking about it while you're sleeping. You know, it's, it's that force that is, is allowing your heart to pump when you're not even thinking about it. I mean, who, who, you know, who is, is, is doing that, who is guiding that. And so I think sometimes when we have these near death experiences, we hear people share these stories all the time. That's when you kind of wake up to the true nature of who you are. And once you grasp that understanding, it's almost like you can't go back. You can't unknow the things that you know. Um, you can't unlearn the things that, that you've learned. Um, and so I say that uh, in order to change our, our mind and our perspective, 
you have to teach the mind something different. And when you teach the mind something different, and once it knows, um, it, it's going to be more likely to go towards that path. To answer your question earlier, when you talked about when, uh, you know, how do you, when you're, when you're in it, how do you have the ability to respond, right? Because most of us, we don't respond. What yeah. do we do? We react, we react. So yes. if, if I'm sitting down and, you know, you're, you're with a family member and they say something, they, they know just the right buttons to push, right? If they say something that triggers you, then you're going you're gonna to react right away. Um, and the majority of us, that's what we do. You turn on the news, you watch the news, you see something you don't like, and what do you do? You react. Or you see something that, you know, causes fear in your body. What do you do? You close up your, your anus and you react, right? We do these things unconsciously without realizing it. And so what I'm saying is that the majority of what we do is we react. And this is why having wellness practices like meditation which is sim simply a practice that helps you to slow down your brain, slow down your breathing is so powerful because it, pre it provides enough space in between the stimuli and the reaction so that you can actually respond. And so I like to uh, communicate it like uh, music. She, are you into music at all? Oh, very much. Yeah. So. What kind of instrument do you play? Well, uh, the vocal cords is as bad as good as I get with a tambourine, but I, I, I treat it as my instrument. Yes. Okay. So you've definitely seen, you know, a music sheet and you've definitely had some, some experience with that. So if you look at a music sheet, uh, you know, I just remember this from music school back then or music classes back then. If you look at a music sheet, you got your notes. And when you look at the notes, they're separate of each other. There's space in between. And then when you look at the lines beneath, there's space in between. Now, Imagine as if you took all those notes and you crumbled it together so that they're all next to each other, you would sound like, right? Like it wouldn't sound like music. It would sound like no. a jumbled mess. Yes. But, but what happens is when you put spaces in between those notes, like you got a beautiful melody going through, right? And so it's the same thing with our thoughts. It's the same thing with the way that uh, we, re we react to our, 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 um, re our present reality, our external reality. When we have spaces in between our thoughts, when we have spaces in between what's happening and we actually have the ability to observe, our life becomes a beautiful melody. And, and now we're just allowing, we're just allowing the process of life to unfold. It's not like we're holding on to this grip of this is how I have to be. No, this is my identity. That's why I experience the type of death that I experienced because I was so attached to, no, this is my identity. I need to get great grades so I can graduate from high school and I can get in a, a job that pays me a lot of money so I can help my parents who were immigrants and I can buy them a house. That was my identity. And it was uh -huh. too much for me to take on. Uh -huh. And so when we start to allow ourselves to have more spaces in between our thoughts, which is what meditation helps us to do, or going for a walk outside in nature helps us to do, or just spending some time being present, giving your full one pointed attention to something helps you to do. Then now you are more in control of your life. You are no longer reacting to it. You are now responding to it. And now you are a responsible citizen and your life becomes, um, your life and your energy is sustained. You have sustained energy. You're not going from this place of achieving to the point where you burn out. You're actually achieving from this place of fulfillment. So it's like you're 
pouring water inside of your cup that's overflowing and you have so much more to give to the people around you and you feel so much more alive and alive and um, vibrant because of it i i do love that musical analogy um it, it is so true M- music is uh, a great analogy for so many things in life but i do like that concept the nice thing about music as well is when you're reading music not that i can fully read music but I'm probably more conscious of it than anything um you can't you can't look pages ahead you can't you, you know you, you might be aware that the because there's a complicated bit later on <laughs> but you can only look at the kind of what what's in your eyesight you know the next bar the ne- the next set of notes and deal with that complication as you go so i can kind of see how i, I just you know as you were saying that i could see how reading music is or, or giving yourself space to be able to just deal with what's the now um, is is very responding. The point of reaction, I mean, the fright and flight thing, which we all have so much built into us, which tends to drive our immediate response or reaction, as you as you said. Can you you what you feel is by giving that space by just taking even the briefest period of time that you can control reactions even in that moment? Absolutely. You know, I think that's what keeps us stuck is we think that it has to be so complicated. And that's what our brain does is is we uh, you know, we we think that in order to take care of ourselves, to have really great health, to great energy. We have to do so much, but really what it comes down to are the simple and basic things that we can do every day. So even when I teach people meditation, I start them off with one minute a day, just one minute. If you give me just that, you'll be able to feel this sense of peace and calm just by bringing your present awareness to your breath for one minute. Uh, and, and even if you go outside for a 10 minute walk first thing in the morning and connect with nature, if you do that every day without your phone, without any outer stimulation, uh, you're going to create more space. And, and guess what? I find this with a lot of, um, you know, people in business that I work with where they're very stuck on, uh, solving a problem. You know, they have a really big problem they need to solve in their business and they're having a hard time doing it. And it's been the same thing for the past three weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, they're just at that point where they're about to give up. They're just, you know, banging their heads on the wall. Right. And then you tell them, you know, go for go for a 30 minute walk, carve some time in your schedule, go for a 30 minute walk outside. Suddenly they come back and they're like, I got it. I figured it out. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, it's not it's not because they it's not just because they went for a walk outside. It's because they finally gave themselves the ability to have space. And because their brains have space, now the answer that wants to come through is going to come through. It's going to come up because now there's space for it. But before it was just right. Like there's not enough space. There was too much mental chatter. There's too much going on inside the brain. And so, you know, what, what meditation or going for walks outside, doing things that you love singing, playing the, playing um, an instrument, all those acts, um, which, which produce a very similar experience to meditation alone is, is going to allow you to have so much space that you feel more well-rested. Your body is more at ease, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you're breathing deeper. We don't realize this, but when we do things that we love, we're actually breathing a lot more than when we're uh, doing things 
because we have to do them because it's an obligation because it's a place of fear you know even just talking about it right now like i'm talking faster i'm breathing from my chest i'm talking really really fast right um and and that is coming from a place where i'm not fully um pumping in a lot of oxygen throughout my body and we don't realize this throughout our days we have meeting after meeting conversation after conversation and and you're breathing from your chest but when you go for a walk outside for 10 minutes or you just give you know just cook your own meal at home or something you're breathing a lot deeper and when you look at the belly of a baby that's how they breathe and that's how we were breathing as well and we forgot about that when we got older and life and life became more Intense. more adulting intense yeah. life became more intense yeah yeah i i see i get it so do you you would encourage anybody then to just take up the most basic form of meditation what what or the the i'm bumbling here you see i'm can't even get can't even get the word out let alone put myself under stress meditation what is it because there are many perceptions of what it is. Some of them are kind of rooted so strongly. You mentioned kind of this spiritual aspect to this, which some people kind of are very skeptical about or completely disbelieving it. But what we're talking about is there's some kind of something, an unknown, which is which you can draw upon in meditation, but some people get scared of meditation. Is it a scary place to be? No, you know, what I'll, what I'll say, and I, I'll, I'll address the scary part. Um, I'll start off by answering what meditation is not. So meditation is not a, um, it's not some, some, something that you do to shut down your brain. You know, that's, that's impossible. Our brain, um, it, it's, it's just not that it's impossible, but it's not, um, it's not recommended. It's not the purpose. Our brain is very much just like our heart, just like our lungs. Our lungs are pumping involuntarily, our heart is beating involuntarily, and our brain also thinks involuntarily. That's its job, right? So mm -hmm. the purpose of meditation isn't to shut down your brain. Um, meditation is also not a religion. So it doesn't, it doesn't align with any religion. I have students from all different types of religious backgrounds, and it has nothing to do with that. It's more of a practice. Um, and meditation is also not uh, something that requires a long time for you to do on a daily basis, like sit, sit there with your eyes closed for an hour in order to, for you to receive the effects, the, 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 the uh, side effects that you get from it. And so that's what meditation is not. What meditation is through my almost decade of learning it, teaching it, studying and going deeper and deeper into it. What I've discovered is that it's a, a process of rewiring, reprogramming the mind. Um, so just like computers, you know, we have these, um, you know, CPUs where they get the computer up and running, there's hard drives in it, and there's these different softwares in the computer and generating a ton of codes really, really quickly in order for us to have this amazing experience right now to connect. Our, um, our brains are, are the same way. And what meditation helps us to do is it helps us to reprogram, re-engineer our minds. And so 
Uh, meditation is more about taking the unconscious and making it conscious so that now you realize that you are the creator of your life and that you can actually um, transform the fear that you feel, the limiting beliefs that you have, the doubts into creative action. And now you are a, a progressive human being in the world. You're a progressive citizen of the world because mm. you have this understanding and now you're able to do with it whatever you are to do. And everyone's path is completely different. Everyone has a very unique path. And so when you begin to uh, adopt a simple meditation practice, which like I said, I start off with just one minute a day. Yeah. It helps people to begin to have like a sniff, a scent. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, one of the things that I, uh, I mean, I'm still young, but I'm just saying when I was, you know, eight, nine years old, yeah, my, uh, my mom, I, one of the things I looked forward to the most was my mom's, my mom's cooking. Um, my mom is uh, Vietnamese and, and African-American and she makes really good, really good um, pho. I don't know if you ever heard of pho, but it's a, it's a Vietnamese uh, broth noodle soup. Right. And uh, it's, it's very fragrant, lots of herbs, lots of um, cloves and, and cardamom, lots of spices. And it, it, it cooks for about, you know, 14, 15 hours. Wow. So by the time that I'm waking up in the morning, like I just smell that scent, I wake up to it. And I'm just like, oh, and I'm like sniffing, I'm sniffing, sniffing, sniffing to get closer to the kitchen so I can have myself a bowl. Right. And you might have this memory with when you're walking down the street and you smell really good food at a restaurant, when you smell something good, you're, you gravitate towards it. And it's the same thing as when you're um, practicing meditation, when you do it for one minute and your body is like, wow, what is this? I feel so relaxed. I feel so much more present. My mind feels more clear, less blurry. I feel like I uh, am able to process information a lot more quickly. Things like that, that happen. I feel like I have more energy. Now you're, you have a sense for it. Now you're going to mm. want more, you know, and, and that's when, when that world um, uh, opens up to you a lot more. And so when I start off, you know, podcasts and, and, and talking to people, it, I start off very, very simple. It's just one minute, you know, think about it. Like, as if you were going on a date with somebody, you wouldn't, go on a date with somebody hopefully and sit there for four hours and just share you know just just talk the whole time and just talk about your entire life story right <laughs> like if you hopefully not maybe if, no <laughs> if you go if you go on the first i mean you know if you go on the first date and you you kind of give people a little idea of, of who you yeah. are and then from there you know it it, it it unravels it unfolds and and it's just the same way as a meditation practice you know, you start off with just this one minute, just enough to get a scent of it, just enough to, for your body to feel the profound effects of it. And then you're going to be like, okay, I want more now. But I, if I were to say, Hey, like, this is what meditation actually is. You sit down you close your eyes and you stay there for one hour. You're going to be like, this is terrible. Like, I'm not going to do this ever again. And, and, and it actually stresses people out. It's actually not healthy to go and just sit down and close your eyes like that because your brain is so used to being busy and you're so used to doing so many things that it's actually unkind to the body. So when I teach people, I'm very aware of, um, you know, their mental state and where they're, where they're coming from. And I, uh, again, self-care is being self-aware. So because I'm aware of that, I offer them something very simple and easy to digest. That's practical. Yeah. 
on the basis that you can't control something or manage something until you you know it exists so i suppose being self-aware is self-care is is very much on on that same line uh, now I, I could talk about this for absolutely hours because i got more questions than um we've got time but one of the things that we talked about when we first met was uh, about sustainability now obviously where our podcast is aimed at uh, sustainability and, and business what how do you see your practice your business um meditation you know, and all those other aspects of self-awareness fit into a sustainable business a sustainable category what was the word that you said fit you said fitting 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 yeah how do you fit into the uh, kind of that we were are we talking sustainability here or is this something completely something else and why is it on this podcast i suppose <laughs> yeah yeah so you know it's about creating sustainable human beings that's what it comes down to at the end of the day so if you know our our old way of of living of learning um was taught in a very um in, in a way that is is very masculine based and what I mean by that um, masculine based is that it was very driven by um, achievement, uh, by, uh, you know, capitalism, um, power yeah. and, and all those ways. Right. And, and that's how we've we've learned to live our lives. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we, we we go to school, we graduate, we graduate so that we can get this job um we get this job this corporate job and then we buy a house uh, we pay for a huge mortgage we um then work really hard to pay off that mortgage and we have kids and 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 we keep that going generation after generation and after generation and what we're finding now is that that type of lifestyle um, and that way of being is no longer sustainable. It's, it, there's a huge, uh, the, the amount of stress and burnout, um, you know, that has, ex that has been experienced among entrepreneurs, doctors, um, people in the healthcare field, uh, yeah. people in, in corporate, corporate executives is just, it's, it's, it's astronomical at this point, it's not sustainable. And so, you know, what I'm proposing is that in order for us to have sustaining businesses and um, corporations, especially if we feel like the work that we do is going to contribute to not just now, but future generations, what, who drives that corporation? Who drives that business? At the end of the day, it is the human being. So what we need are sustainable human beings. And yeah. the way that we sustain ourselves, the way that we sustain our health, our um, mental, emotional, physical well-being is by taking care of ourselves, is by, um, you know, choosing to do practices and, um, you know, exercises, moving our bodies, just very simple, just going for a walk outside, breathing a little more deeply, simple things like that. We're creating more sustainable human beings. And therefore, the decisions that we make um, is going to come from that fulfilling place that I talked about. And, and imagine if we all did that same thing where we were achieving from a place of fulfillment, then yeah. now we have businesses that, you know, are, are now not just affecting 
and highly impacting the generation that we're living in now, but it's highly impacting future generations and future generations to come. And that's why I love a lot of the Native American traditions. You know, they, everything, every decision that they make, they think about how is this going to affect seven generations from now? And then they make their decision. So when we become more, more, um, uh, mindful of ourselves and our own well-being, we can actually make those kinds of decisions because we're not in flight or flight mode. Our brains aren't racing back and forth from the past to the future, from the past to the future, from the past to the future, but we are more present in this moment right now. And when you're present, your mind and your body are having a relationship and they are talking and they're in love with each other, the decisions that you make from that place is going to be one that, um, again, you're being responsible. You're having the ability to respond in that moment and it's creating a more sustainable earth. Brilliant, okay. And uh, yeah, very much sits in very well with us because obviously we're looking at people living on a planet and and being prosperous as the, as the three Ps that, they, that we promote. Mm. Um, and yeah, we, we've got to look after the people as much as there's a lot of effort going into looking after the planet, um, we've got to put as much effort as looking after the people um, that live there as well. So that's that's brilliant. I, I love the responsibility and the music. So uh, they are lodged and I will uh, have a good think on those. Um, I asked you if you uh, if you had a tip or something that we could uh, inspire listeners to, to go and have uh, do some action themselves what would you encourage people to do well i think we talked about it a lot on the podcast today which is to just go for a 10 minute walk you know outside if you can and don't bring your phone just allow yourself to immerse in it uh, and try not to think about anything at all folk like look at the trees and and focus on the trees and look at the leaves look at the sky notice the clouds passing by um, looking, look at the birds, listen to the birds, just try to bring yourself into this very observant mode as if you're watching a movie that's in front of you. You know, you're, when you watch movies, you're not really thinking about a lot of things. You're kind of just watching the storyline unfold. And if you're like me, you talk a lot during the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yes, this told a story. <laughs> um, but yes, um, uh, going for nature walks and then yeah. just a simple minute meditation. You know, so what I what I teach people is just to sit down comfortably in your chair. And do you want to practice? Do you want to try it right now? Just a quick one minute meditation. Let's go for it. All yeah. right. So you'll sit down comfortably in your chair and allow your feet to be relaxed on the ground. And now right underneath your nose, if you put your finger right there and you just don't say anything, but just breathe. Can you feel your breath? Right, mm -hmm. you can feel it, right? So you take your hands down or you can leave it there if you wanna just have a focal point. And for one minute, you are just focusing on that point underneath your nostrils. And you inhale, bringing that breath all the way up to your head and all the way back down, just like a wave that drifts into the ocean. It goes up and then it goes down. So we inhale and we exhale and we feel that breath right underneath our nostril. Hmm. And you just do that for one minute and then you open your eyes and 
you know, what do you feel with just 60 seconds of doing that? I don't even think that was 60 seconds, but. No, it's a, it's a strange thing to do in the middle of a podcast. Because <laughs> you're kind of thinking, what's the, you know, it put switching off is yeah. quite hard, isn't it? Because yeah. I was thinking how much have we got, am I on time? You know? <laughs> What's my next question? <laughs> I, 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 even then, yeah, yeah. even in that yeah. moment, um, and and trying to focus on that, but I, I I do get it. I must admit, it is something that I do, um, and used to do for for singing practice as well. Is is yeah. to breathe in for thirty seconds, hold for thirty, and hold and breathe out for thirty, and and quite a challenge to get to that that kind of numbers. But because that's all you were focusing on time you know i was just counting to 30 and thinking about breathing and that was all i was doing and you say it's only, really it's only one thing you can think about at once in your conscious mind yeah. and that's it that was it and so your yeah, unconscious mind's got time to get on with the filing i suppose <laughs> so yeah exactly i know what i'm gonna but what mine was that during that thing was saying hey <laughs> you're in the middle of a podcast mate <laughs> don't don't lose yourself too don't much. lose yourself <laughs> <laughs> it could be the very very strange end of the podcast as i kind of drift mm. off into a meditative state <laughs> that's brilliant okay so normally not only we got the hint we've got a little practical introduction to it as well i like i like that mm. uh first time ever mm. a couple of firsts in this show that's for sure um okay so if somebody was looking to to a recommendation from you what what would you point them towards that you would recommend they have a look at watch read um over and yeah. above doing uh, their meditative acts what can they do to learn a bit more yeah i would highly recommend the heart and science of yoga uh, the blueprint for peace happiness and health by leonard perlmutter um, he's coming out with another book called Your Conscience. And I think his his books and his material, it, it speaks to the human being in the world that's looking to um, you know, just go back to their, their true nature. But there's scientific explanations in there. Um, it's very practical. It's very easy to understand and, and consume and apply. So I highly recommend that. It's a very great guidebook. Brilliant. Okay, thank you. Well, I'll, I'll seek... Uh to look that up and put a link to it on the show page um and and watch out for the other one very interesting conscience because it you know i won't go into the greek um but yes uh, <laughs> i i have had some done some research on the conscience before because it is a uh, a strange tool that we all have yeah it's quite a strange tool um okay so are you ready then as we as we wind up for a little a few facts take a deep breath <laughs> these were very these were very simple um and uh, uh, i've got a good feeling about this um so these are on uh, mental health because i think that's kind of the underlying topic that we were talking about um so if i give you a fact that globally mental illness affects more males than females is that a fact or a fake? I'm going to say fact. Fact. Well, actually, to I swapped them around. There are more females. That's 11.9% of the world's population. Um, uh, female population is uh, suffers from mental illness and 9.3% of males, which mm -hmm. I, I kind of started off thinking 
I think I understand that. I think so. Females um, suffer from a lot more inequality in the world, historical inequality and uh, and religious inequality as well as we're seeing in other places, aren't we? So, um, okay, so I got one. She's, uh, <laughs> it's not a competition. Uh, according <laughs> to... No, no, sure it isn't. According to a study published by the Lancet Psychiatry, the total cost of treatment of anxiety and depression disorders across 36 countries, so it's, it's a sample, is estimated to be $147 billion. It will be in 2030. And $147 billion by 2030 is the costs to the developed world, essentially. Oh, that is mind-blowing. And I'm going to say that it's also true. You would be correct. Yes. Mm. I mean, that is astonishing. There were there were all sorts of figures about just a 5% investment into um, treating that properly could see a, it was a mind-boggling figure, something like a, a half a trillion dollars annually in improving our economy. Mm. which kind of goes back to your you know if you if you're a prosperous mentally spiritually then you you become could become more prosperous financially um yeah. materially mm. so okay so uh i've got one more okay. one more for you the research found there was a piece of research done um that found that 40% of organizations had seen an increase in the demand for mental health support since the pandemic started. A 40% increase in organizations seeing a demand in mental health increasing. I wanna say true, but I wonder if it's even more, if this is a trick question and it's more than 40%, but yeah, I'm gonna say true. Me, trick? I did, and that was a fake. It's actually eighty percent of organizations. Yes, see, that's what I'm saying. I think I think it's even more more than so, that. Okay, so well, I'll okay, give I'll give good. you a half a point, and we'll we'll call it a draw then, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's it. I, organizations are seeing a huge drawdown on people struggling with this situation. But yeah. not only that, obviously, we push people to work from work. People push people to work from home. We've we've put them under stress and strains of having to balance home life whilst trying to do a day's job, whatever it might be. It's, mm -hmm. and, and so, yeah, there's only 20% of organizations that haven't seen a rise. And I'm wondering what those 20% are doing. Yeah. <laughs> Either they're treating everyone brilliantly mm -hmm. and they couldn't rise or, or they are paying attention maybe. Okay. Well, on that on that draw we'll call it a draw because you kind of kind of said i think it's higher but i'll go true so i'll be kind on that one uh, on that draw and with some brilliant learning in that some brilliant insights into uh, how to deal with our mental health just leaves me to thank you sandy for joining the green elephant show thank you very much for having me it's a pleasure We really hope that you found this insight into another better business, both informative and entertaining. So make sure you don't miss any of our other chats with other better businesses by subscribing to our podcast, available on all good providers, or on the Green Elephant YouTube channel. And please don't forget to spread the word with others. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions on the show, please do get in touch. You can email us, studio at greenelephant.show, or visit our website, 
greenelephant.show or find us across social at greenelipod. Join us next time and we hope you have a sustainable week.